You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Chicago Bears are well into the second wave of NFL free agency. They've brought in a couple of veteran players, but they still have more holes to fill and more roster changes coming as of today with the least amount of available cap space in the NFL. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. You can like Locked On Bears on Facebook or join the Locked On Bears Facebook group. On the show today, we'll be joined by Locked On Falcons host Aaron Freeman. He's going to help us break down new Chicago Bears cornerback Desmond Trufant, help us get a little bit better sense of his skill set, his career thus far, and everything that has led him to Chicago now as Kyle Fuller's replacement as a starting cornerback. But we'll also take stock of where the team stands right now in the free agent market with the roster holes still remaining and the limited salary cap space currently available. We're still in a phase where a lot is fluid. The Bears are not done signing players at this point, but everything is slower at this stage. We're in that next wave after the frenzy beginning of all the top players trying to get all the money they can signed early on. We're in the value range of free agency where you can start to sign more of these cheaper one- to two-year deals for guys that won't command that top market, and maybe they have multiple teams interested in them, but it's all about finding the best fit and finding the best bargain and the best deals and all of that, especially for a team like the Bears that has had to shed some salary cap space and will have to shed more salary cap space. Even if they don't sign any other free agents, they currently do not have enough money to sign their rookie draft class. As of March 23rd, the Bears have about $500,000 in salary cap room. And you typically need to budget at least 4 to $5 million for all of your rookie contracts plus the undrafted rookie free agents and all of those moves. And teams generally like to keep another 3 to $5 million of cap space heading into the season just so they have some emergency money for maybe a midseason trade or if a player becomes available in free agency or you just have to fill a roster hole in some way. You like to have that cash on hand so you're not scrambling in the middle of the season to, I don't know, cut somebody or restructure a contract all of a sudden and try and get that all done last minute. So they have more room to work. And as of now, Akeem Hicks is still a Chicago Bear and is, I guess, believed to be safe and a part of the team in 2021, but they do have to clear some salary cap space somewhere, whether that means restructuring another contract behind the scenes or if there's another cut coming or perhaps a trade of Nick Foles' salary, for example, something like that to free up some room on this salary cap still has to happen because ideally the team would still like to sign 
another cornerback to help replace Buster Screen, perhaps another safety to replace Tashawn Gibson. I guess you could re-sign Tashawn Gibson. But right now, your penciled depth chart in mid-March would have Deion Bush as your starting safety and probably Duke Shelley or Kendall Vildor as your slot cornerback. And you'd like to at least get some competition in there for either one to make, or both really, to make those positions better and anticipate less of a steep drop-off from the veteran players they had the previous years. Plus, maybe another receiver if you're going to trade Anthony Miller and you haven't replaced Cordell Patterson. You could also kind of use a kick returner in there. So the Bears still have some lingering needs. You can use draft picks at those positions, but you don't like having to go in the draft specifically targeting positions. You want to just be able to take the best player available regardless of position, but I don't know that the Bears can just go through the draft and completely ignore the needs if those needs are going to remain. So there's going to be more coming here, and it's a question of how well they can replace what they had last offseason because already I've seen Bears fans on Twitter trying to tell me it wouldn't be a big deal if they had to cut Akeem Hicks because he was hurt the last couple of years, and he wasn't that good anyway, which is gaslighting, textbook gaslighting, trying to tell me one of the best, most important players on this Bears defense wasn't actually that good all along, and we don't need him. Same with Kyle Fuller. Like, he's been a very solid cornerback for the Bears, and I've seen people say, no, he gave up too many big plays or this and that, and it's like, no, you. that is not a logical analysis of the team. That's being a fan and trying to support whatever the organization does, even when the organization does moves that are clearly at least getting rid of a very good player and taking a chance on replacing him with a player who could also be very good, but you don't know exactly what you're going to get with a guy like Desmond Trufant coming in at cornerback, whereas you knew exactly what you were going to get from Kyle Fuller because you've seen him in this defense, you've had him in this building, and you're inherently adding risk by substituting valuable starters out of your lineup, and perhaps those risks could pay off, but that's what makes it so challenging to figure out and why it's a concern for so many Bears fans to see these changes that have had to happen for salary cap purposes. Ryan Pace is hoping the Bears get more of the Atlanta Falcons Desmond Trufant than the Detroit Lions Desmond Trufant, and we'll get the scoop on what he was like at his best in Atlanta with Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons joining us next on Locked On Bears. Our March bracket to find the best built Bar flavors moves on to the enticing eight as we try and figure out which flavor truly is the best of the best because they all taste delicious. They're all low sugar, low calories, high protein, and high fiber covered in 100% real chocolate. But only one flavor can be the best of the best. And we've got two great ones, both with first-round buys, I should mention, cookies and cream versus coconut almond. I've got a box of cookies and cream built bars in my pantry right now. I have regular coconut built bars as well, but coconut almond, just a slight step down for me in the hierarchy. So cookies and cream is the flavor that I'm moving on to the flavorful four of our championship bracket here with Built Bar. You've got to try the flavors for yourself and go on to BuiltBar.com and vote for which one truly is the most delicious. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKEDON15 to save 15% on your next order. Joining us now on the Locked On Bears podcast is Aaron Freeman. 
He is the host of Locked On Falcons here on the Locked On Podcast Network, and he's here to help us break down a little bit of Desmond Trufant. Of course, he spent the majority of his career there before his last year with the Detroit Lions. And Aaron, I guess I want to start from the beginning with Desmond. What do you remember about draft day, about the expectations for him coming in as a first-round pick back in, what, 2013? How did he meet or not meet expectations with that draft slot? Yeah, he was a first-round draft pick for the Falcons in 2013. They actually traded up. Uh, they were picking, I think, 30th that year, and they traded up seven or eight spots, somewhere around there, to nab Desmond Trufant. And I remember being very high on Xavier Rhodes, wanting that sort of big physical corner. And when they traded up for Desmond Trufant, being like, okay, you know, he's fine. You know, he's a solid player or whatever. I know he had a, a pretty solid senior bowl that year, and that sort of helped elevate his stock uh, in a lot of ways. And so it wasn't necessarily something that really moved the needle for me personally, but Trufant came in and really sort of blew away expectations. Um, And it was one of those things where immediately he sort of stepped onto the field in 2013 and started playing at a high level and playing like a number one corner. And we saw that player continue to uh, be the team's top player in the secondary for the next several seasons And, uh, you know, just Trufant wound up being one of the best corners that the Falcons have had over this last decade and and probably in team history, uh, given how well he played early in his career. Yeah, early on, it was in the the Mike Nolan defense under uh, the the former head coach, Mike Smith. How did how how was he used that way? And did it did it change much when they moved over to Dan Quinn's defense? Like, how does how does how did his role in the Falcons defense change between coaches and just over his time there? Well, I try not to put too much memories into the Mike Nolan years in Atlanta. <laughs> so, uh, you know, maybe I'll pass on that question. Uh, you know, I think the main thing with Trufant, particularly when Dan Quinn took over, was given how much they played their cover three scheme um, in under Dan Quinn, Trufant played well in that. But really where the Falcons defense shined, particularly in those early years, under Dan Quinn was the way that the Falcons like to play where on early downs, they would play sort of their zone cover three heavy defense. And then on third downs, they would just man up teams and they were very effective in that way. And and Trufant did an excellent job covering some of the top receivers in the NFL. And it was really only a handful of the elite receivers during that time, whether we're talking about the Mike Nolan years or the Dan Quinn years that gave him problem. It was guys like Mike Evans. It was guys like Antonio Brown at the height of their powers, but pretty much anybody else that the Falcons went toe to toe with as far as wide receivers went Desmond Trufant, along with Robert Alford, his, his cornerback mate across the field, typically played at a really high level and were able to keep those guys in checks. And one of the benefits of of the Falcons defense during those years was that you never went into a game feeling like regardless of who were the wide receivers lined up across from the Falcons that week, that those guys would have these big monster games because of how much confidence the Falcons had in their cornerback room. And that was spearheaded by Desmond Trufant through those first several years. For people that maybe aren't as familiar with, especially Dan Quinn's defense in that sort of single deep primary look, the Seattle Seahawks region of boom type defense, I guess how much individual responsibility did a guy like Desmond Trufant have? How much was he on his own and how much support did he have or where was the support in the secondary when he did have it? Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of him being on an island. 
And it was one of those things where the Falcons would play with that single high free safety with Ricardo Allen. And Ricardo Allen was basically his job was to basically not allow things to get deep. And the benefit of, of Desmond Trufant was that given his speed, you know, getting beat deep was not as big an issue for him, particularly early in his career. That became something where he started to show some, uh, get exposed a little bit more as the years progress. And certainly those last couple of years in Atlanta, going up against players like Will Fuller, particularly in 2019, uh, exposed him a couple of times in that Houston Texans game where the Falcons gave up a ton of yards and a ton of points. But, you know, I think with, Trufant, you know, playing that sort of cover three outside corner and having those deep responsibilities. No, he wasn't on the sort of Richard Sherman level in terms of performing in within that defense and, and having that uh, production there. But, you know, I think he did a, a, an excellent job given the parameters of the scheme. How did or how much did he decline over the years. I mean, right, it's not he's he's not an old cornerback yet. He's just about to turn 31 this upcoming season. So it's not like he's way past the hill, but like I think there is that perception nationally that like yeah, as as the years went on in Atlanta, things started to go downhill. What what was the cause of that and what were the signs of that on the field? Yeah, I think there is some decline. I think really what happened towards the end of Trufant's tenure here in Atlanta and you can sort of look at the 2019 season as a uh, a strong indicator of this. Uh, a microcosm of this is the word I was looking for, um, was that you would see these really strong games from Trufant going up against number one wide receivers. You saw that early in the season where he pretty much shut down Stephon Diggs in that week one game against Minnesota where he was shadowing him. When he got opportunities to go up against T.Y. Hilton the following week uh, against the Colts, he did an excellent job uh, preventing him from making many catches in that game. And then you would have had a couple of games a couple of weeks later. I mentioned the Will Fuller game in week five and the A.J. Brown game in week four against the Titans where Brown cooked him on a couple of plays. And it just became a thing where like Trufant was either shutting down guys or he was giving up big plays. And it was sort of no in between. And so you got either, you know, Trufant playing his A game or Trufant playing his sort of D game. And you just didn't get a lot of B and C game from him. And I think that's really the indicator of the decline, whether it's going up against some of the bigger, stronger, more physical wide receivers like a Mike Evans, like an A.J. Brown, or some of the more dynamic explosive receivers like a Will Fuller that have that sort of elite deep speed that gave him the majority of the problems. But I still think he's a high-level corner, particularly in man coverage, because he does have enough size, enough speed to be able to match up with most guys. But I don't think you can go into a game as – the Falcon fans did for most of his career and feel really, really confident that he's going to be able to hold his own against some of the top wide receivers in the NFL. So there is some sign of decline. He's not at his peak. He was probably a top five, top 10 corner. I would still say he's probably somewhere in the top 20 to 25 range at this point in his career when he's playing uh, his best football, but he's not going to be sort of a shutdown number one corner um, like he was earlier in his career. Yeah, that's, that that seems fair, especially at, at this stage. But it's not exactly clear to me what this stage is after kind of an up and down season last year, an injury shortened season last year in Detroit, and maybe not as great of an exit from Atlanta as he would have hoped either. We'll get a sense of some of Desmond Trufant's decline and whether he can turn that around in Chicago next on Locked On Bears. 
It's been great to have the college basketball tournament back this year, and it's been even more fun putting some money on the games at betonline.ag. I cashed in on the Loyola Ramblers in the big upset over Illinois, and also riding a hot Oral Roberts has been pretty good for my wallet so far. And betonline.ag is the number one place we recommend, not just for college basketball betting, but NFL prop bets, NFL futures, college football, baseball, hockey, soccer, tennis, you name it, they've got it at betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account and enter our promo code Locked on to receive your free 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I'm curious, in, in Atlanta, a couple of injuries down the stretch there. I mean, one 2016, it seems like it was on injured reserve. 2019, finished on injured reserve. And then he was hurt again this past year in Detroit. I know you don't cover the Lions, but... What, was there any were there any like additional like soft tissue guy? I mean, was he a guy that was on the injury report even regularly in games that he played, or did those seem to be fairly isolated incidents? My recollection is those were fairly isolated incidents, right? Um, the 2016 injury obviously was impactful. You know, Falcon fans in our revisionist history, at least some of us like to believe that if Truesvon had stayed healthy that year and had been playing in the Super Bowl as opposed to Jalen Collins, the Falcons probably would have won the Super Bowl. But there's so many things that we look back at that Super Bowl and say, if the Falcons had done this, maybe they would have won that game. But, uh, you know, I think 2019 really was the first year I recall injuries being a major issue for Truesvon. It didn't feel like there were many instances prior to that where injuries were nagging him in in a significant way that you would have uh, for anybody in the NFL. So I, I think that's more of a recent development. And we know, particularly with those soft tissue injuries that the older players get, the harder it is for them to recover from those injuries. And I think that's why the, that hamstring or quad injury, whatever it's been the last couple of years, has been a much bigger issue, both in his final year in Atlanta, as well as his past year in Detroit, than it was prior um, in his NFL career. We talk a lot about cornerbacks in terms of coverage and, and all that stuff downfield. Obviously, the more important part of their job. But how would you evaluate him in run defense? I think you said earlier, you know, he's not the biggest cornerback, but he's not small either. And some of that can be effort and energy. Uh, how how reliable of a tackler is he? How physical does he get in the running game? And what was sort of that experience like in Atlanta? I had no complaints about Trufant's ability in run support. Now, maybe some of that is skewed by the fact that his teammate and Robert Alford was a little bit more up and down and Trufant was more a picture of consistency. So relatively speaking, I felt like Trufant was good in run support because of the inconsistency from Alford. So I don't know how necessarily how Trufant measures up against maybe other corners uh, across the league in that regard. But I had little to no complaints about Trufant and run support. He would occasionally miss a tackle or whatever the case may be, as most corners will. Uh, but for the most part, when it came to setting the edge, when it came down to, you know, chopping down running backs out there in space in one-on-one open field tackles, I feel like he gave a lot more than, you know, he got. And so I had no complaints over the years about his ability to run support. The other thing I was wondering about is, you know, downfield. I know he's got the speed and he can, or at least had the speed and still has some amount of that speed. 
But how would you rate him at, at the catch point in terms of being able to contest those balls? I know, you know, I, I tend to think we get too caught up in interception numbers because sometimes that can be more a reflection of the quarterbacks that you face and the opportunities they get. And, you know, like the year he played nine games, he had four picks and he's had full seasons with one. It's not necessarily a direct reflection, but like, what are his ball skills like? And, you know, I see a guy that can get caught with with a penalty situation in terms of contact downfield or how does he how does he handle some of those situations? Yeah, you know, if you're expecting Trufant to catch interceptions, he has terrible hands. He he is the epitome of the joke that says the reason why he's playing cornerback instead of wide receiver is because he can't catch. Ah. And he has dropped a number of interceptions over the year, which has earned the ire and frustration of Falcon fans um over that period of time. But you know, in terms of his ability to contest catches, I think he does a great job of that. Um, and one of the reasons, if you look at sort of his past breakups numbers, and those numbers have declined over the years, but that has less due to do with his decline in ability. But I just simply think it's more due to the fact that quarterbacks have learned to not test him nearly as much uh, over the years. And so he doesn't get as many opportunities to break up passes as he did earlier in his career when teams were going after him a bunch because of, you know, how young he was and the fact that he was often covering number one wide receivers uh, during those years. So I, I feel like his ball skills in terms of contesting catches is good, but if you're going to want him to actually make plays when he gets those opportunities, you know, he comes up a little lacking in that regard. Well, Aaron, I got to be honest with you. I, I came in with lower expectations about Desmond Trufant, and I think you, you've helped me feel a little bit better about him and a little bit more optimism about how this might work out in Chicago. Appreciate you making some time for us and uh, helping break down a former Falcon. I know you, I know it's uh, some former Bears headed your direction, and uh, it's, it's, we'll treat it like a little offseason trade. How about that? Absolutely. We'll, t- we'll take what we can get here in Atlanta when it comes to new additions and new blood here. So, uh Appreciate it, uh, Lauren. Thanks again to Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons for joining us on the podcast today. If you enjoyed our conversation, make sure that you subscribe to Locked On Bears to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Don't forget, we have a whole slew of Chicago sports podcasts for you here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked on Bulls, Locked on Cubs, Locked on White Sox, Locked on Blackhawks as well. We got you covered from all angles of Chicago sports. We got a little bit around the horn with that on Monday's podcast of Locked on Bears with ESPN's Sarah Spain going through some of her background as a Chicago sports fan. It was a really fun conversation with her. I highly encourage you go back and listen to that if you have not yet. As the week goes on, We'll keep an eye out for any Bears free agent developments. We'll start getting ready for the upcoming NFL draft and how the free agent class is going to affect the draft class and which prospects we need to know. We'll get you ready for all of that and much more. So I hope you'll keep following along with us this offseason. I appreciate everyone who's been tuning in and getting their Bears fix, even without football on Sundays. I hope at the very least the podcast helps you bear down.